Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, I'm joined as I always have been and ever will be by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how's it going? Hi Sam, how are you? How's it How's it hanging? Yeah, yeah pretty good, pretty good and t- to the left. Um, and yourself, I assume you're one of the majority of men who, for whom it hangs to the left? Or? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't planning on talking about this <laughs> In this episode, but you know, but intimate personal when, details are the sort of time. things that episode forty-seven, you know, that uh, get discussed on podcasts. But Sam, we have some guests with us today. Mm. Who do we have? I, I wonder who those guys were. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have for his second appearance on the show, Baxter. Baxter, how's news? Yeah, it's going. It's going well. Very excited to be here. Back by overwhelming public demand. And back for record sixth or seventh appearance is Ben Dawson. Benny boy, how do? How are you doing, guys? All right? Yeah, not too bad, you? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. Yeah. How how does does yours hang, Ben? And Baxter, whilst we're discussing (laughs) the direction of our penis. (laughs) On which side do you wear your penis, sir? (laughs) Shows like a weather vane, tells you where the the wind's blowing. North East. It's a disclaimer to people about what's going to be asked in the first few seconds of these (laughs) (laughs) Nice to keep it, you know, spontaneous like that. Um, We are. So the reason why we've got twice as many people as we normally do and twice as many guests as we normally do when we have guests is because we've got one heck of a film to be discussing this week. Before we get into it, let's do a, a quick roundup um, of how your week's been, really. So uh, I'll start with Hugh as my co-host. Hugh, have, uh, have you had an eventful week? Well, as you know, Sam, uh, me and you on Saturday morning appeared on another podcast. That's right. We are mm. branching out into other people's ears. Um, I think that's important. <laughs> we were on a podcast called The Oddest of Ends. Isn't that right? Mm. Did you have fun? There was a bunch of odd ends. It was hilarious for a solid two and a half hours, about 30 minutes of which will we'll make the edit. I mean, <laughs> it was, that, uh, controversial. it's going to be the short, we did like, we recorded like two hours and about half an hour at best was, uh, you could, that's all you could listen to. Um, yeah, not that we yeah, were absolutely. being but were- controversial, we just made a lot of innuendo kind of inside jokes by mm. the end of it, didn't we? Where? That they don't want when they want when they get to their three million subscribers. Um, so yeah. we hope to have them on, lovely lads, and uh, hope to have them on in a future episode. So are they big film buffs. Um, then is that is that the idea? Uh, no, no. So they <laughs> he'd never heard of Godfather. Yeah, he was only he never was only a young it. lad. Never yeah. even heard of Godfather. Had, he was only eighteen. We had so Blaine, the presenters were yeah. called Blaine and Marlin. So a shout out to them. Just FYI, if they ever listen to this. Always <laughs> mm. I think it's Balin. Anyway. We, he never said it out loud. <laughs> so his, his name began with B, and then there's Marlin as well. Uh, good lads. Yeah, good lads. Now, as for Ben and Baxter, now I know that uh, I know one thing that both of you have done this week, and, and that is watch this film with me drunk on separate <laughs> occasions. Um, so I was, I was, uh, I texted Ben on Sunday night or something like that. He had work in the morning, but he uh, very kindly offered to, to have a drink and watch this with me until the wee hours. <laughs> I was and drinking then, anyway um, and watching the film anyway, so it was only, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I may as well get so I was, on it. It was a fly on the wall of your, of your nice <laughs> evening on your own. And then uh, Baxter and I, as, as we'd promised, we watched it last night. I mean, we got on the call at about half nine to watch it so I could get to sleep for 12, busy morning. We didn't start the film until half one. No, it, I think it <laughs> was worse. I think it was half two. I, I, I genuinely believe it was half two. We were practicing our Spanish yeah. 
trying to get some of the uh, yes. hablamos espanol sorted from the old Duolingo. <laughs> and then next thing you know... And we got better as the as the drinks flowed. We were <laughs> feel, much more fluent. I feel like, yeah, definitely. And then because famously what alcohol, did... uh, you know, advances your uh, vocal capabilities. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, what science says, yeah. that's what AQA exam board said, yeah. <laughs> Drink or two. You're not a teacher anymore, is that right? <laughs> so that was that was good fun. I mean, it was more difficult to work today, but but well worth it. Um, and really, the reason why we've got Ben and Baxter on, they've both got fantastic qualities, and it's great to get them back. But from my own personal point of view, Ben was the one who introduced me to this film, and then I was the one who I think introduced it to Baxter. Is that what we concluded, Baxter? No, 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 no. I don't think that's true either. I, th- I think you've, you've changed the story again. I definitely know I have independently <laughs> found out about Primer. I was like, this is a film I have to watch. And then I think you right. also... But you got... didn't watch it until I played a role. Is that right? You, you played the role of being I want, I want there when I first credit. watched it, for sure. Beautiful, um, beautiful. But I don't know where that desire to watch it came from. Um, I think it's just mm. always been one of those things that you're supposed to watch if you're interested vaguely in mathematics and don't mind a little bit of the old time travel, then this is a film yeah. that you kind of have yeah. to go and watch. Um, Absolutely. So something we've mentioned previously, Baxter's got a master's in philosophy and physics and he's a maths teacher. Or, uh, you know, he's predominantly a maths teacher. So you're in the right demographic, I think, for this. Essentially, for this Baxter, all your training in your life has led up to you explaining this film. All that money's gone <laughs> on to this moment. No pressure. <laughs> My, my, my 24 years or 24 oh god I've just got younger 29 years of education um, has led me to this point and it still resulted in failure like I, I, I just watch it once all that private education <laughs> you know, yeah. it's now so the last week I watched it twice so once mm. yesterday with you till the sun started rising and just <laughs> the day before and yet even with such like successive watching I can tell mm. you that this is still a film that I wish to see another like five times because there's no way. And that's going to be that's true. That's it. Like that's its major draw, isn't it? That's the, and it's also what probably puts a lot of people off. You know, that's that's (laughs) the the rule that plays. I I have I have no idea when I first watched this film. I I know I watched it before going to university. I know that, but I've no idea how many times I've watched it (laughs) when I started. It's just always been there in my life. (laughs) So and every time every time I watch it, it feels like I'm watching it again for the first time. Even like what was this thing about Granger again? And who's Platt? And what? (laughs) And there's always some new thread that hasn't been exposited at the end of the film. Right. Depressing. Uh, how many times you when you when you watch it for the second time and you go well, well who is that and like how <laughs> did I you know what I don't even I, I, this is so embarrassing the second time I watched it I didn't even realize that there was a third version of one of these characters I mean can we start yeah. the spoilers now is that right I, yeah yeah oh yeah so yeah. listener if you are listening to this uh, you probably fall into a few camps you're either a loyal listener and you just love our content uh, in which case we love you back hello Joe uh, but if you haven't seen the film hello Joe although Joe has seen it and we should have got him on as a guest I didn't even know he'd seen it uh, when we were making the guest call it would have been a, a busy Zoom call um, yeah basically if you've not seen the film then don't listen to this unless you've got no intention ever of seeing it With this could be helpful if you've only seen it once and you don't really understand it um, no pressure. It's also just entertaining if, you, or if, if you've you seen it, it five well. times and you don't understand. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've seen it n number of times. <laughs> and you don't understand it. Should we also make a disclaimer that coming away from this podcast, you're 
still unlikely to understand. Oh, yeah. Film. We're not going to add any value. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be worth your time, I promise you. Yeah. This is really a vanity project. So essentially, if you it's like to listen to, to drunk on a four night. men just sitting around going, uh... Yeah, I think possibly. I mean, that makes that sense. The <laughs> With that in mind, I'm going to bravely attempt to try to explain this film in a way that is hopefully helpful. <coughs> I think, I think so, what we need to put over this now, we'll this explanation, just before Sam starts. I might need to edit in some sort of like dramatic music, you know, like, you know, like almost like marching sort of military-esque sort of music. That's like, once more, a brave man goes into the breach trying to explain this film, you know, that kind of way. Well, in true Shane Carruth fashion, you should just create the music yourself to add to the... Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, I'll, I'll do it now. Go on then. So I'm going to get, what? I'm going to get a musical bed on the, off the, on the hook. I feel like it might detract from that. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to do it in your best right. Clint Eastwood impression. Once more, two men go into the box. <laughs> I'm going to take my earphones off so I can't hear you at all and just talk and just hope some of it hits the microphone. Now, so just to kind of outline how complicated this is, the film's tagline is, if you always want what you can't have, what do you want when you can have anything? And that's the least confusing part of this film. So here's my brief summary explanation. More hats. Two, two office workers accidentally make a working time machine whilst carrying out engineering experiments with their peers. They decide to keep it to themselves. Abe, who's the blonde one, David Sullivan, who... Uh, was the one who didn't make everything uh, for the film, is the one who discovers that you can go back to when you first turned on the machine. You can't go any further back than that. They can't go back further, or they can't go back if the machine wasn't running. We find out later that Abe, spoiler alert, has a second machine running from before the first one. This is known as the failsafe, so that he can always go back and stop any of this stuff happening. Abe demonstrates the machine to Aaron, and they plan to use the machine to play the stock market, each day using their knowledge of how the markets change to invest when they return to the morning of that day. By the way, lads, if, there's, if at any point I say something wrong or I get something you know not quite right, do, do let me know. Um, however, their plan is scuppered when something dramatic happens at a party that we don't see happen. Like a lot of major plot points in the film, we don't see it happen, it's just implied. So something dramatic happens. Rachel is the, the daughter of Thomas Granger, who's the main investor, funder, financier of these guys and their work. And he's also Abe's sort of girlfriend. She's got a jealous ex-boyfriend who brings a shotgun to a party she's attending. The way the story is told suggests that he didn't shoot anyone. It was just a fun sort of anecdote the first time. When Abe and Aaron see Thomas Granger, Rachel's dad, and realise that he must have gone in the time machine because they see him and they're on the phone to him at the same time and he's got some growth. They realise he must have used the time machine, therefore there must be something dramatic that made him have to use the time machine. So things we can imply is maybe the, a jealous ex-boyfriend has shot Rachel, something dramatic has happened, so he's had to go back in time. So realising that they need to undo their work, Abe gets into his fail-safe device and goes back to the first day. He sedates his original self to ensure that he never gets in the box, because then they can fix this. Unbeknownst to him, spoiler alert again, Aaron, who is played by Shane Carruth, who wrote, directed, produced, scored everything, this film. Practically, well, he he didn't, placed, the only thing he didn't do is the catering, and I think that was done by his <laughs> mum and dad. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> so, unbeknownst to him, Aaron placed a box within Abe's failsafe, and time travelled back first. In doing so, he swapped Abe's failsafe so that when he got out of his failsafe, the blonde guy, he would be f- further ahead in time than Aaron. So Aaron's managed to go further back than Abe. So he has power now. Yeah, because he brought his own. He brought his original box back with him. Is the explanation I think in the failsafe? Yeah, that's right. This Aaron, Aaron number two, also sedates the original version of himself, and he, then he records all the conversations that he has over the next few days, so that when he plays that day again, he can listen to that recording and play the exact same day. He then goes back again because he'd managed to bring back two boxes, uh, although that's only implied. Coming out as Aaron three, and he plays the day as the original Aaron by using the recordings he made when he was Aaron two. He tries to incapacitate Aaron too, but he's overpowered. Nevertheless, he convinces him to leave them alone and go and do something else. Aaron 3 now has all the knowledge he needs to disarm the gunman and ensure that he's arrested. So the gunman who was Rachel's ex-boyfriend, he can make sure that whatever dramatic happened that made Thomas Granger come back, he can stop that happening, get the guy arrested, and so he's out of the picture. I might have made a mistake here. I've put Aaron 3, but it might be Aaron 2. Aaron... Three decides to steal Aaron One's passport and fly to what we assume to be France because they're speaking French, and he's in the process of making what we can only assume is an enormous time machine. Uh, ill-advised. Abe Two, meanwhile, decides to stay and ensure that Abe, Abe One never gets the machine working, and also to keep an eye on Aaron One's family to protect him against. I think Aaron Two or Three. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually. Aaron 2 is the one who goes to France. Aaron 3 is the danger. <laughs> All right, we'll, so uh, well, we'll tune in right next week. So it's Aaron, like, wait, it's Aaron think... 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's Aaron 2. That's What did you say? Aaron 2 is the danger. Or Aaron well, 3 is the danger. One of the Aaron's goes to France. One of the Aaron's so, is a potential danger. Aaron... Yeah, so Aaron 2 is the danger, technically, because he's the one that comes back and doesn't know about what Aaron 3 knows about, where, for some reason, Aaron 3 knew that that there was a second fail-safe <laughs> box or something that, that Aaron yes. 2 does, does know about, but technically doesn't. I've now... No, I've gone. See, this is how hard this <laughs> is to, to try and... This is it, you can't figure out the motivation, can you? Isn't Aaron 2 the so. one that's giving the narration of this entire right. thing it's leaving the voice yeah. the, not the voice but ringing the, yeah ringing so to me, so he must be the guy who goes to france to me He's yeah the guy who aaron, goes to france, isn't aaron two goes to france and aaron three is the guy at the end you see in the airport who is leaving as well he's leaving to go oh. and do whatever aaron two is already in france by that point oh shit i've and always then, thought of those as the same people no yeah, no okay. different different aaron's fucking hell it is hard to tell which aaron is in france though is it Aaron it's not, it's two that's obvious. doing this like um, <laughs> this phone call to kind of fig- like right. forgive himself and like try and show to Aaron one that it's you know this is why all of this bad stuff has happened to you because well that yeah. we, we did it. This is why well, I put Aaron... you in a coma in your own attic for for a few days. <laughs> the way the way I the way I see it is that the first Aaron goes back to the failsafe before any of the Thomas Granger stuff. This, mm. Before they see the top, before they see Thomas Granger has gone back, so he's already Aaron two when that's happening. Yeah. Then they see the Thomas Granger stuff, and for whatever reason, 
both both Abe and Aaron decide to go back, but Aaron two has already swapped Abe's failsafe. So yes. then that's when Aaron three is created. Aaron two then goes out the picture then because Aaron three persuades him to leave, and Aaron two is gone. In the hood. So Aaron two yeah. does not know anything that happens after after that point. That's why in the oh, phone so that's com- why he feels. Si- that's phone, why when he yeah. goes to France, he feels fine doing that. <laughs> in the phone conversation, he says, "I don't, I don't, I don't, really, I don't know what's happened," or he doesn't describe it because he has, says he hasn't mm. seen it. Right, and what's really good? Yeah, he says something like, "I hope this is this kind of repairs the debt that I might owe to you, basically right. for, for drugging you and and putting you in." So um, Hugh had never seen this film before, so we're going to get Hugh's views after the break but before the break I'm going to spend a bit of time me Ben and Baxter proselytising about why it's such a good film why Hugh might like it and why he might not like it we'll try and keep this brief because any talking points might come up in Hugh's views so we'll just try and keep this quite brief so uh, I'm going to go to Ben as the originator of this film since <laughs> in many ways uh, what is it that you love about this film so much? Um, well so, so what I've written down is I think it's unique I don't know any other film like it uh, I love that it's uncompromising and it's 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 <laughs> yeah. sort of it, it's deliberately difficult to follow and and he, do, he doesn't pander to the audience. Um, it's 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 challenging, but in 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 a way, but it's also stimulating. It's like a puzzle that you have to unlock. Uh, I, lo- I, I love films like that. I think we discussed before that. I, I, you know, I love films that can go away and and um, ask questions about it and read about it. Um, I think even though it is difficult to follow, it's still it's still absorbing to watch it. I think I mentioned every time I watch it, uh, it's like I'm, it's like I'm watching it again for the first time. And it, <laughs> it, 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 I've I've read a lot of reviews saying it's boring, but it's never it's never boring to me. It's always it's got that ability to kind of suck you in and and, and you get into the ryth- rhythm of the film. Uh, I think the fact that it's short is also pretty good. I mean, it's only an, it's less than it's an hour so twenty. Short. it's it's what it doesn't show that probably makes it what it is i think um obviously um i think it's 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 an intellectually honest film intellectually honest film if i can say that right um (laughs) so yeah i I, it's just my kind of film really i uh I, i i i think i said to you before i'm not not too sure where i discovered it or how I discovered it, or when I, when I watched it for the first time, but um, yeah, it's always it's it, it's always there as a film that I, I know I can't recommend it to everyone, but there's a certain person I'll be like, watch Primer, <laughs> you'll like it. And yeah, you were, you were it's one like of those a sort people, of. Um, so. That's good. It's a real yeah, it's a real bonding thing. If you can show a film like this to somebody and they like it, you go, okay, we might be friends, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> we might get on. How about exactly. you, Baxter? What are the what are the big uh, what are the bigger um, talking points for you? Um, so I, I definitely agree with pretty much all of the points that Ben just said. <clears throat> I mean, definitely, it's it's definitely an intellectual film, and it doesn't. Uh, it just assumes that everyone that's going to watch it is is equally involved in some kind of like uh, obsession of 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 unraveling puzzles or or uh, <laughs> trying to get to the bottom of something, whether it's um, just the maths or the sciences at the beginning of that film, like that, that first thirty minutes. I remember watching the first time, having no idea, and then this time, like I was just concentrating, like mad, trying to figure out what it was that they were building. Were there any clues? Um, you know, how do we do it at home ourselves? That kind of thing. Um, but 
effectively, I think it's, for me, it's one of the few films that's finally got the concept of time travel and is basically exposing it for the completely incomprehensible, complicated mess that it actually <laughs> is. And, and it makes you look at the kind of the big budget Hollywood films or even the um, just generic time travel films and it kind of makes you look at it and just laugh. Like you, you just. I think... mean, what was that film we watched? Was it the Project Almanac? Ah, Project Almanac. Fucking <laughs> film. I feel like, it, yeah, it, you you watch Primer and you think, okay, well maybe there are some inconsistencies, but actually, that's probably what time travel will have. It will have some paradoxes that may or may mm. not get resolved. Um, but something like Project Almanac, where it's just like there's something blatant that you're just like, well, that doesn't make sense. I think that is it. Yeah. How did that get past the first draft? Yeah. How did, how did you not see that? Um, do you get that sense with this film where you go, I think that's a plot hole, but I'm pretty sure that's my fault. Mm-hmm. You just trust that he's a genius of some sort, you know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, and there's... that he's right and we're wrong. <laughs> there's almost multiple moments and... where I think that does happen where you think, okay, well, this that that's an inconsistency. That doesn't make sense. Like the Thomas Granger situation. But actually, you're only seeing it from the perspective of these characters before they've gotten to the day in <clears> which that thing is going to happen. So actually, a lot of it's yeah. not inconsistencies with the film or the the plot. It's just that it's something that you are never going to understand because you've not reached that yeah. period in the timeline to uh, to be able to unravel that mystery. Um, That's it, or you you just never see it, or no one ever actually says it. You just have to piece it together and go, well, you know, if this happened and that happened, this must have happened. You know, <laughs> right, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> well, which is mind blowing. First, time. I read something that really helped me to <clears throat> unravel it, uh, which is that. The film follows Abe all the way through from his perspective, linearly. So you right. don't see what he doesn't see, and it, I think it. I think it's deliberately means that. Uh, well, it means that it's, it's deliberate that you don't know any, all the things that have happened, and there's mm. points where you have to fill in the blanks because Abe hasn't seen it. It's so it's all really from his perspective, mm. and Aaron's. You're trying to piece together what Aaron has done. I think that really helps to uh, follow it. Yeah, definitely, at least in terms of uh, understanding why they chose the scenes that they chose and didn't choose, didn't include the scenes that they didn't include. Mm. Um, I put it to social media, and I'll get to social media later in the episode, but in terms of what I love about this film, one of the social media kind of responses what was what really kind of put it put it really well for me. So I put um, a post out saying, is it important to understand the film to like it with a picture of Primer's poster? And got lots of responses that I'll get to later. And a lot of people talked about Christopher Nolan. And Joel Bedworth said, I'm seeing a few Nolan mentions here, but the reason Nolan movies are so long in runtime is because he spends hours explaining this weird, surreal concepts he uses rather than just going with the flow. Imagine how much greater Inception could have been with the same runtime, but you cut the explanation shit completely. The crew instead just say, this tech's been around before our time, but it works. And then you do some weirder shit with the dream stuff. And I really like that. And something to to tie it to Hugh's views that we're going to get in a minute, something that me and Hugh have said quite a lot is when we don't like it when two experts are in a room explaining their jobs to each other. You know, like in this film, they just throw out the phrase uh, Feynman diagrams, but like... A Christopher Nolan film, not to shit on Christopher Nolan because he deserves a lot of respect as somebody who's made complex blockbusters accessible, 
he would have a character drawing a Feynman diagram for another mm. physicist who obviously knows what a Feynman di- or a Tesla coil or something like that. Um, he would have them draw that out so the audience knows what he's on about. But in this film, it doesn't matter. You know, you just go, these are guys who know what they're on about. I don't need to follow the science. If I can, then that's a bonus. Can I just I, ask? Uh, I, I definitely agree yet, with that. Do, do, it, it, the Feynman diagrams, the thing where all the... the um, the worm, the time wiggly lines, lines and do they where they all intersect lines, yeah. and it like crosses over into uh, like an, an opposite side x and y axis or something like that. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Is that I mean, that's, my that's knowledge of it comes one. from loving Feynman's autobiography, and he had them drawn all over his van. I don't know the I don't know the science on it. Sorry, Baxter, do you want to give us a 45 minute summary of uh, Feynman diagrams? <laughs> if that's Absolutely mind. not. I think I think wasn't there the <laughs> didn't didn't you say there was a lecture by Feynman once that someone asked him can you explain electromagnetism and he goes well, yeah, what, in an interview what do you want yeah. from me do you, do you want me to say there's right. there's a magnet here and there's a magnet here and then there's an invisible field between them or do you want me yeah. to get to particle physics that it takes you know 20 years plus 10 <laughs> years yeah. postdoc uh, yeah the doc by the way the uh, the diagram i was thinking was a different one but i've seen yeah. i have oh, seen dear. those ones before <laughs> Some sort of physics diagram, but the point—the point is that you get a value if you know those things, but you don't need to. You just go, "This is nuts and bolts." What well, you know, yeah. physics and engineering. Ba- basically, this is a film that has zero <laughs> exposition, and that's why it's yeah, an hour and yeah. twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. And did you come away from it thinking, "Wow"? I think I mentioned this to Baxter the other day. Shane Carruth could have either invented a time machine or make an indie movie, and he's decided I'm going to invent time travel, but I'm only going to make a film. <laughs> I'm not going to patent it for a billion dollars. <laughs> if you, I, I'm genuinely convinced that they figured out time travel <laughs> to make this film. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because if they if they exposited it too much, you'd see holes in their explanation. Because obviously. They haven't invented time travel, so it's kind of bamboozled you with lack of exposition. Um, lads, can you think of anything that Hugh might not like? Well, I think I said um, I've, I've read a lot of reviews saying it's boring, which uh, right I can see. I can see why people would find it boring. Yeah, as I said, um, so that's that's a danger. But I, I think Hugh, Hugh's a big sci-fi fan, so I'm, I'm sure, I, I think he, he he wouldn't find it he wouldn't find it bo- too boring. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that like like you said, it, it is difficult to follow, and unless you uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're in the mood to watch it or in the mood to use your brain quite a lot when you're watching a film, then you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy it. Yeah, and it is a preference thing. I sat down to watch with my partner and. After about twenty five minutes, she said, "Does it get better?" And at the end, she she said it wasn't for her because she didn't want to have to Google a film in order to enjoy it the first time she watched it. Like a Christopher Nolan film, you can understand it enough to enjoy it properly the first time round. This becomes like a, a puzzle for people. So, I think it's possible Hugh wouldn't like it on that basis. But you're right, Hugh's a Hugh's a sci fi fan, so maybe that that works. Baxter, can you think of anything uh, that might, Hugh might not like? Well, so Hugh is a is a complete mystery to me. So I'm still, I'm still <laughs> trying to trying to run, always surprises <laughs> to figure this one out. Yeah. But um, I, I'd say potentially maybe it wasn't big budget enough because uh, I know I know mm-hmm. one of the things that I I share in common with Hugh is I do like some of the Marvel movies. You know, I do like big action movies. I do like uh, to kind of get lost and be entertained and have a nice experience. I, l- I love the Christopher Nolan films, Nolan films as well, because you kind of just get this raw experience sometimes. Like I think I mentioned on the last podcast, um, Dunkirk, 
and how I was like gripped to the seat and sweating like mm. gallons of water just from the experience of it. Um, so, so potentially it could have been, maybe it wasn't big budget enough. And I, and I think there's one particular scene that, that springs to mind when, even when I watched it the first time, I just didn't follow it. And maybe that yes, would annoy yeah. you, which was, like I think I mentioned already, the, the fact that when Abe goes back for the third, uh, for, for Abe 3 goes back, and I didn't see, you don't see him in the shot. And again, I think the story is behind this is I think I read somewhere that uh, Shane Carruth had such a low budget, he just couldn't get any money for CGI. So, yeah. and there's no like, there's no body double or anything. It's just, it's just a, a, a human being in a white jumper that you see next to um, the hooded Abe. And so yeah. if you, you know, if you, if you're kind of trying to follow everything and this gets lost in you, I remember the first time thinking, like I just missed, I completely missed mm. the third Abe, and that really. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, so Abe, when he puts the kind of oxygen mask on him and he's sleeping himself, that's played by Shane Carruth. So you could go, well, that looks like Shane Carruth's physicality, and he's going to. Why is he suffocating? Right, Abe. When he that married, re- that you know? genuinely <laughs> confused me the first time I watched it. I, I came away yeah. thinking, <laughs> who's that doing the oxygen mask? I, I, I thought it was Thomas Granger the first time I watched it. Right, yeah, that's going it. Back like, to, to get yeah, it. I thought that as well, so to much, be honest. So much mystery. Um, but you, you ha- it has to be pieced together based on the what happens after, doesn't it? But you're right, Like it's hard to have an emotional response to a scene that you don't understand. Like You don't even understand the, the, what are the... I don't even know what the um, stakes are in the scene because I don't know what's going on. It is hard to have an emotional reaction to it the first time around, for sure. I think the only other thing p- potentially um, could be... So, as, as, as your partner was saying... Um, she didn't like the first 25 minutes or it, it was a bit boring. I, I had a similar mm. thing the first time I watched it. Um, and it was only on a second rewatch that I really got drawn into the film even more yeah. from those first 30 minutes. When we watched it yesterday, I loved that 30 minutes. Yes. That became some of my favourite yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. But no, you, you're right. It, and the pacing is odd. Nothing, quite possibly, nothing happens for 30 minutes then some things happen for 30 minutes and then everything happens for 20 minutes. Yeah. But you don't really understand what that was until four viewings later. So <laughs> Hugh, sat, Hugh sat there very patiently for a long time now. So we're going we're to go for a little break, uh, rest ourselves a little bit and then uh, find out Hugh's views. Welcome back. We've talked a long time. We're going to rest our throats and ask for Hugh's views. Hugh, what did you like about this perplexing film? Right, so this film, oh, I was shit. just trying to... No, no, no. <laughs> it's not no shit. Just chillax. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tense. So I think this film's a bit like... I don't know, I was trying to think of a metaphor for it. It's a bit like a, bit like a tree or a plant it kind of it grows on you the more and more you watch it Ooh, so because it, and it gets its roots into you because the first time I'll be honest the first time I watched it I was ex- so I, I, I had a lot of anticipation for this film because of basically you had mentioned it and then Ben had mentioned it and Bax you know you told the story about you and Bax are watching it getting drunk and you know trying to figure it out and also so we were talking about Inception Christopher Nolan before 
when me and Sam went to go see that film together, and when we came out of the cinema, Sam was like, oh, that's, that wasn't very good. Uh, that's not how sleep works, and got all a bit annoyed with it. And then he said a few weeks ago, he said, oh, well, the reason I felt like that about Inception the first time I watched it is because I'd seen Primer. And mm. yeah, I get what you're saying. I completely understand that statement now, as in, good. it's almost like... <laughs> Ten years later, I've redeemed him. <laughs> yeah, because... What Christopher Nolan's great at is breaking those concepts down for a lay audience to make it mm. communicable to the you know to everyone and you understand it and you you know you come to the riffraff to the hyperlife yeah yeah you know to the you know to the plebs <laughs> so you feel like you understand the ones who it. aren't university educated yeah 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 <laughs> yeah um, hell you need a PhD to understand this film um, fair so I quite I really so with this film I really like the fact that. It's, like you said, it's not spoon-fiending anything to you. You know, Christopher Nolan's essentially in primary school going, right, now that's the letter A. Can we all say A? <laughs> Where this is, you know, Baxter's MA going, right, now we're going to talk about causality and the reason why these things can't happen. But here's an example where maybe under certain laws of physics that it could happen. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you know, there's that great scene in Austin Powers where he talks to Basil Exposition and goes, oh, Basil, but if I go back and see myself, where am I not going? <laughs> And he goes, oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. And they just kind of explain time travel away by, you know, just appealing to the audience. I love it when Basil Exposition turns to camera and says, yeah. yeah. And it's best if you don't think about it too much as well. <laughs> yeah, so there's that kind of... I got, I got a lot of that with this. So the first half of the film is very technical. And mm. it, it, it is a little impenetrable at times. Like for me, I felt like the, the first point at which you feel like you kind of know what's going on is when he explains what he does with his watch, where he's talking about um, it being on like a parabolic trajectory of the object mm-hmm. going flipping between A and B. That was the first thing I was like, right, I've got some grip with this. You know, I can hold on to something. <laughs> you know, grab this bolt. I'm going to, that's me grabbing the bolt by the horns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it slipped away again. It was covered in washing up the Yeah, like Lance Armstrong in that film. He shouldn't, it, it shouldn't have been there. You know? Um, in, yeah, bless him. Dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. So, yeah. So, and then... It moves, so it becomes then quite... So then he introduces time travel, what you think is to Aaron 1, which, as you then later find out, is Aaron 2. Um, three? No, it's two. Aaron 3, you're right. No, you're two. right, it is. It's Aaron 3, isn't it? I think yeah, it's, it's Aaron 3, because um, Aaron 2's gone at this point. But I think no. Aaron 2 is the one who records the conversations. I think he's... Oh, fuck it. He's another Aaron. <laughs> yeah, it's, so... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, see, this is it. When you try to explain this film, you lose what you were thinking about before. So yeah. So it becomes a pretty stand. Well, you think for the like, so like the middle part of the film becomes quite a standard sci-fi time travel film, like you guys said. That's great fun. They play the stock market, and then it becomes like right. So what do you do with this power? I I really do enjoy all the technical stuff, like where it says when they knock out um, Thomas Granger and they're explaining you know basically how much oxygen and is it mm. how much oxygen that they need to survive for the three and a half four day trip back to Monday because you're always in that box for the for the time that it takes to travel back which is a lovely little feature because it it, it sets limits it, the film's very good at setting limits on itself to what it can do and you yeah. know it's really dirty isn't it it's really 
real. Yeah, and I really... That's that, 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 great, that great Louis C... Sorry to cut off no, in no, the middle of a thought. That Louis C.K. bit where he says, I've invented a time machine. It's basically a closet. You get in a box, but you've got to stay in it for as long as you want to go into the future. <laughs> and you, if you want to go two years into get into this box, come out in two years, <laughs> and everything's changed. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that the Sorry. scene where you've got when they go so obviously he talks about Platt and he wants to punch Platt I like the fact that in that in this film that something happens and he Thomas Granger from a day or two ago comes back to their time period and is after something or is looking for something and I like the fact that you never really find out what that is because that's because you kind of the, the, the narrative here isn't reliable you're just kind of getting snapshots at certain periods in the two characters lives between Aaron and Abe and you're like well what the hell does that one now a normal film would would um, endeavour to show you that scenario and it would show how Thomas Granger gets back you never find that out that's great (laughs) you know because you wouldn't necessarily need to watch it again I suppose that's the point here isn't it that you can watch this as many times as you want no. Yeah, because you, your mind goes. Well, did some like they they talk it out, don't they? In the in Abe's apartment, what could have happened? Now, where the film when I first watched it, where the film got a bit convoluted. So you like so because it's not a like you said it's it's an indie film, so it's not a standard. You know, the budget was it seven thousand? Was seven thousand dollars? Seven thousand dollars. I don't know what you can do good with. God. Apparently, you can make a film for seven thousand dollars this good. That's insane. Um, and he, most of that was on film stock. If he made that now, he could make it for like five, for like two grand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's incredible. So obviously, it, the budgetary limitations mean that the th- I think the second and third act. This is where Caruth's sort of ability comes out in his writing as he goes right well I can't do a standard time travel film where you start seeing the consequences of their actions play out in the camera what I'm going to do is I'm going to weave a narrative that allows you to sort of semi see these consequences and having to deal with it I'm going to give you little snapshots so like um, I think I can't remember who said it I don't know if it was you Ben um the first time I watched it, I'll take credit. I didn't know, I didn't realise that was Abe asleep when Abe, that it was Abe, yeah. gassing Abe. Yeah. And I just, I thought, like you said, I thought that was Thomas Granger. I thought they'd come up with a way to, I don't know, like get their Stop Thomas Granger. Stop him yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, oh, they're going to prevent him, aren't they? They're just going to, they're going to knock him out and this is going to be like a film that kind of takes a darker turn. I thought maybe that's where it goes sort of they've got this person how does he figure out he finally and then maybe they they wrestle with the moral complexity of actually inventing like time travel rather than then <laughs> it being about well how do we fix this it's that's where like the sort of engineering part of this film comes in where they you know the two engineers so they're trying to engineer the perfect scenario and then but there's also the the flaws of the human characters in it you know because Aaron starts thinking well I can stop Rachel's ex-boyfriend coming in with a gun and I can get him arrested and cut him out of the scene altogether and then he's never a problem again rather than just going... Yeah, and we don't even know what the problem was. Like, he didn't even shoot somebody at the party so it must have happened later but we don't even know that something happened. We've only got, got, as Ben said, we've only got Abe 1's... Sorry, Abe 2's perspective on it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, like you said, there's like a million things they could have done, but Aaron's the kind of guy who wants to do it perfectly and get it sorted there and then. And he's like, right, that's the perfect time that I can sort it all out. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I must admit the second half of the film, because so the budgetary limitations, I didn't really understand what was happening, if I'm being perfectly honest. And the film kind of just ended. <laughs> I think that's a legitimate complication, like a legitimate criticism. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and then the film kind of just ends, and then you see one of the Aaron's building a time machine, or a bit like a fridge freezer version. So I must admit, the first time I watched it, I, w- I wasn't underwhelmed, but I, re- I realised I'd watched something really good, but I didn't quite realise that what I'd watched and I must admit it took some internet research usually I don't when you're when I'm being recommended to I try to minimize the amount I know about film because Mm. it it leads for a less genuine conversation between me and Sam and we just end up repeating facts that both of us have sourced independently to each other and it's not very interesting for us and not very interesting for the audience where with this I felt like I had to have some knowledge. Like I didn't even realise they didn't. It was an anti-gravity sort of machine. <laughs> I was that, like, that what? was the plan. Well, I had no idea what they were building so originally. Here's, here's a, a fun thing about, about it. So, a little theory that's been made about it is when they're testing out that first anti-gravity machine, where it's not in the box. Abe has his hands with the the paper, um, the parts from the hole punch, mm. and he holds it over it. And Aaron, he he holds his fingers over it to see how it feels. That's a theory as to why their handwriting's messed up later, that their hands are slightly out of sync. I don't think that holds up to scrutiny, but it was just a funny, like, oh, wow, that if that was intended, that's really fantastic. You know, that their hands have slightly jumped back a, a half a second that they, that they had their hands But I like there. how there's, yeah. there's, just little there's, things there's like so that. many different ways it could be, right? It could just be the sheer number of times that they that they return and it's just a bit of brain damage um but i mean it's it's nice that you don't you don't have to know it's bleeding from the ear from the brain that when you bleed from the ear it means you're bleeding out of your brain (laughs) (laughs) that is seems severe (laughs) you're right yeah Uh, so that's a legitimate but that's a great the the way they use that because you see aaron aaron's ear bleeding when you think he's he's gone through less than Abe, yeah, but it, it's, yeah. that's that's the way of him showing. Oh, Aaron's actually been through a lot, lot, lot longer than Abe. Yeah, there's little, little <laughs> subtle clues, isn't there, like that yeah. to what's mm. going on in the film? Yeah, it was watching um, it the third time. Speaking of incredibly subtle clues. Oh, sorry, Sam, go for it. I think third time you yeah I think you're right third time but it was actually like his seventh time or not twentieth time going through. Speaking of subtle clues, um, so I, I admit I saw this on IMDb. I didn't work this out for myself. Abe's surname is Turger or Turger, mm. which is regret backwards. So he regrets going backwards, which yeah. uh, I'm sure you've all read on IMDb at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like just a little thing, That's you know. Great. Just throw that away. I think what's good about this Fantastic. film as well is it sets up these internal rules that cannot be broken. And so, yeah. so there is and limits. Doesn't break them exactly, and there are limits to the time like travel. Project fucking almanac. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, isn't there? There's there's limits to what a character can do in this film. So, you know, you can only go. I think, realistically, you to think about it more, you would only be able to go back so many days before you're having to put people into comas to uh, yeah. to go back yeah. weeks and months and years. So it's what at best maybe like a week you can always go back. Well, you can only go back mm-hmm. as much as. They, from the moment they built that machine as well so they'll never yeah. be able to go back yeah. into the past and and because it's running and somebody uses it you can't use that failsafe again because someone's in it unless you make it unless you made another failsafe or something I don't know you can't kill Hitler's <laughs> mum basically 
yeah. create a paradox. I mean, here's a question yeah. for you, for you all. So, do as soon as you get in the box, are you completely, are you completely out of that timeline? The second that door closes, are you gone? So if somebody opens it up ten seconds later, are you no longer there, and you're traveling, say through some sort of temporal wormhole, or you're traveling in the fourth dimension back so, to the time when you turned it on. I guess so. I've I've wondered about this as well, and I thought that maybe they would. It's something they could have added, but then it's just the the inner geek it in me. Breaks down, doesn't it? Everyone. I like here, if you give, if someone gave them twenty million, you would have seen it happen. You know, but it. <laughs> It's better than it was a few grand. But they could have talked about, you know, Schrodinger's cat, the thought experiment um, yeah. for quantum mechanics, where you where you can't actually you tell ex- whether the cat is alive or dead until you observe Do you want to thing. explain that just a bit more for the audience who may not be aware of the... Or um, the so, can. the... Uh, Sorry, the... I know it's a difficult concept yeah. to, <laughs> to discuss. You know, quantum physics makes Bax's me go cross having a run-up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the do you want me to do some? Do you want me to, sorry, do you want me to do some uh, like you know uh, music, dramatic yeah. music again? <laughs> Military beds, quantum <laughs> style. Into battle. Fuck's sake! Um, I can always so, do like the guy from Gladiators who got in his Scottish accent who goes, "Contenders already!" and back to you go. My whistle. Contender. Sorry, back Take to it away, back to <laughs> <laughs> So essentially, the the idea behind Schrodinger's cat is to try and explain away some of the difficulties that occur at a quantum level, where you can't um, you can't tell the state of some of the things that are very very small without physically observing it. And so the idea is, if you have a cat inside a box and there is some kind of radioactive, uh, decayed, uh, decaying process occurring in the uh, in the box, so say there's a radioactive atom, you do not know at what point this radioactive atom will decay, but when it does, it hits something, and then there's a, a lever or something a that knocks out the cat it? and kills it, yeah. or, or, or poison is released exactly. It yeah, doesn't really matter sure what it is, but it. there is no way of telling at exactly what point the electron will decay or the alpha particle will decay or whatever this atomic particle. There's no way to tell. So the only way An you can tell... An elaborate series of guillotines. Pardon? An elaborate series of time-controlled guillotines. Yes, say. precisely. And <laughs> there's no way to tell, right, until you observe by lifting up the box to see whether the cat is alive or dead. So in the medium term, physicists came up with the idea, well, the, the cat is both alive and dead at the same time, is in this superposition of the two states until you make an observation. So what I would say then is during this whole primer situation, when you're entering into the box and as soon as the process has started, you are both in the present and the past at the same time. And it's only at the moment where you decide to lift up the box that you would have to be reduced to one of the states of either being in the present or in the past. That's the way that right. I was like, "Oh, that could be a way to bring." Which in is interesting because so you can't travel like we're not here to tw- discuss. Sorry, mm-hmm. we're not here to discuss Schrodinger's cat, but it, but it kind of this is this is an un, unqualified opinion, which means it's wrong. But if I was um, 
in this living room and somebody outside the living room didn't know. I am either dead or alive, actually, in an objective reality set. But, you know, I don't know how quantum physics works, as I assume nobody does. (laughs) This this goes some way to explain what my biggest... um, not issue, but my biggest difficulty with the film is, is that... So, the first time Aaron goes into the failsafe, and that is Abe's failsafe, and he takes some boxes back with him. Uh, he goes back, and then he creates... A, he swaps that he swaps that failsafe with another one that Abe goes back in, right? Yeah. Yep. So, when Abe goes back in that failsafe... And Aaron goes back in another failsafe that he's created. Abe 2 is also back there when he gets back. So has Abe 2 been in the same failsafe that Abe... Has Aaron 2 been in the same failsafe that Abe has been in at the same time? So, yeah, you'd think him having a box in there wouldn't stop him... Like, negating the idea of somebody being in that box. Right. I don't know. You've lost I me mean, if I'm being in honest. In short, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I'm, that's the bit that I'm not. It, it feels just out of my grasp <laughs> when I'm trying to think yeah. about it. <laughs> and again, it's it's one of those where you go, "Well, that's a definite plot hole." But then again, I'm probably wrong. A friend of, a friend of mine said that um, Virgil Van Dyke, the Liverpool defender, he's so good that when he makes a mistake, I assume everybody it was everybody else's fault. You know, it's like that. <laughs> Whenever this film seemingly makes a mistake i go well it's because it's my fault <laughs> you know that's i just got analogies yeah 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 so can i just clarify ben so... what you're trying to say is what i think you're trying to say is that there's that aaron and abe are both in the same fail safe box at the same time and that's a plot yeah hole, right yeah yeah but one's in a box and one's not but i'm not saying it's a plot hole i'm just saying <laughs> I, I, I can't explain that bit <laughs> yeah, why are you trying to attack our Lord and Saviour Shane Wolf then? <laughs> That's not why I invited you on. <laughs> no, I'm saying there's, a, there's. I definitely think there's a reason, <laughs> but I, I think it has to do with the fact that when that Aaron Two is already there, so when Abe Abe Three comes back, he's on a separate timeline. Sorry, when Aaron Three comes back, I've been mixing the Abes and Aaron's up. That's probably why. Why are they both called? Why are they both A names? It's mental. Why are they called Mark and James? It's mental. Abe is A B, and then Aaron is A A, isn't he? So the A and the B. I think that's the. I still blame them. I mean, it's smart, but fucking hate it. When we watched it on the Sunday, Sam, we we had we had both of them mixed up for the whole time that we were talking. That'll be the Jack Daniels. <laughs> so just to get back, the reason I asked about, oh, well, are they like, so, you know, like, are they in the box until, you know, the the time has elapsed that allows them to go back to the start of the day? I asked that in in conjunction when they put Mr. Granger into a coma, but obviously they've got to sit in the box then for three four days i think it's three hours three three days and 22 hours it shows up on the camera so if they're in that box in that entire time clearly granger's gone missing the police will be investigating surely the police would be like if there's any link to abe and aaron they would look through their finances and see that aaron's got a storage unit and his wife would be like oh we don't have a storage unit so it's maybe it's three days so they're going back they're going back in time 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is the that until they disappear, then they're still in that present time of that timeline. I don't that think that's sense. explained. It. it could just be that as soon as you enter the box, you close it and you start the process. That you're you're stuck. Like you don't mm. you don't the, the, go... like time stops essentially Maybe. from your perspective, and that time around you doesn't continue on until. That's why I asked if it was that they disappear instantaneously and then go back because if they're if they're sat there for three days or four nearly four days that's a long time for people to investigate what happened to Granger mm. I think they're physically that mm, I might be wrong I'm just going to say what my brain told me to say um, my I brain didn't even my they... brain was like that's not a thing they've just gone back it instantly <laughs> happened yeah <laughs> don't I think they're physically what are their names there? again so if you went in <laughs> those my if you, if you if, if you turn the machine on now yeah and um Left the room, came back. Oh, fucking hell! Yeah, and then came back that night, went in the machine, and then came out of the machine in the morning again, and then waited a few hours and opened the machine. I think you'd find you. You think you'd actually find was that, yourself? Was that, was, in were that. you finished? <laughs> was, was that <laughs> was that a question? I, I thought I'd let that just, just <laughs> like, a, like a fart in a lift, just let that. Evaporate and get every part. So you're saying just that you want to you want to get out of the machine that you just got out of uh, that you just went back time in it, it, from from the future to now, and you want to wait a couple of minutes and then open the box. Well, let me make it clearer. I think if you fucking hell, what am I saying? If you turn the machine on, knowing that later that night you're going to go into the machine, um, and the 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 box was see through, I think you'd be able to see you for that entire. Six mm. hours or whatever it is. Yeah, I think you get in the box, you sleep in the box, you you clearly exist. I don't think you're moving through some sort of wormhole. I think you exist in the box, but the box is going backwards basically. But the but if somebody was to see it, they would see you the whole time you're in the box. Well, time the only, only only no, the know. second only after you've gone back in time. So the first yes, time that's, through. So the, yeah, that's right. So the, so no the way I explained the it then was to simplify it. But like so the first time. Yeah, if you lived your day and then went back in the box but and then to, stepped out yeah. of it you and then stayed there for 10 hours, you would see you, so then, I yeah. think. To but, me, the question that I think you... was is A similar question is, what happens to that timeline then? Does that carry on and they have multiple timelines or, diff, or different universes even? Or is it still one timeline that's or just looped back? The whole thing is looped back and now the time, the original timeline has been readjusted Good question. Because it establishes the I, rule that you can you you have to spend the amount of time that you're in the box to um, the reason. To get back yeah, to the point I mean the, where you need to get to be. To and they can always see they, there are three Aaron's that exist mm. in one timeline. I feel like it doesn't have the branching timelines of an endgame no, or something no, where no. you can visit them. It's like you say. It's I think the second option of it's overridden. It. It's only. It's interesting. It's because, only overridden yeah, originally. Sorry, Ben. Keep going. So I was just going to say originally that's the they leave the fifteen minute timer on so they don't meet themselves because they yeah. don't want to create a paradox because yeah. they're scared of creating a paradox because they don't know what will happen and we don't yes. know what will happen and then after a paradox is created they're like oh well you know nothing bad's happened let's kind of, let's kind of, let's experiment <laughs> a bit more so <laughs> then Abe gets even more. So uh, I think it starts <laughs> off though um, where you override the timeline but I I think. <laughs> As soon as they mess with their own 
as soon as you then mess with your own timeline and you uh, you know they started drugging themselves that's when I think it branches off into a into a different mm. a different timeline I think so yeah so what I want to know then why did Aaron bring his phone back with him what was because he seems too meticulous a character to make it definitely was deliberate mistakes yeah. like that I think it's because it wasn't at least when I watched it for the third time and was trying to figure out who it was that we were actually dealing with I think that is Aaron 3 and he's purposely bringing it back for the for, for the sole job to convince Abe that there is no such thing as a paradox so if you, if you remember it mm. from if you actually look at it from Aaron's perspective, right? Aaron mm. was pretty douchey in the sense that he immediately found the failsafe and didn't, didn't think about whether there would be an issue with paradoxes or not. He just went for it. He just went in the failsafe. He is the reckless one, isn't he? Even mm. though he's meticulous, yeah. he's reckless Like when they're, when they're making the machine in the first place mm. and Abe's saying, no, no, don't do that. Yeah, don't, 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 don't yeah. He's definitely those. got a chip on his shoulder, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that's yeah. you could describe it as that because there's that bit there isn't when they're um, when they're around the table right at the beginning is they're not, they're all quite snappy with one another they're not like chatting like mates they they they're having like awkward almost an awkward conversation mm. and yeah and that's like they're giving so little exposition and they're talking over each other so you don't even know what they're even fucking <laughs> saying when they're not even expositing things it's nuts <laughs> yeah so essentially you think he brings the phone back to to prove to Abe that. It doesn't create paradoxes. Yeah, because he's he's yeah. already come back, right? He's already come yeah. back. Use the failsafe. He knows that nothing has gone haywire. So he now needs to do something to convince Abe that actually it's okay. We can, we can double back on ourselves and and yeah. and change things. Yeah, Without but isn't that proven by the fact that they're playing the stock market anyway, and then can they have? the money because but I, it's, another it's affecting hole, I was... oneself though right it's it's when they affect because if you if you come back on your timeline and you no longer have that same phone call that you knew yeah. that you were supposed to have had then something then you've changed your your time exactly mm. whereas if you play with the stock market you you never knew that that was going to happen and the changes are so minute that there aren't they mm. said that there's no like detectable way of seeing that you've done that and they themselves, in their original timeline, won't have felt that. They won't feel that anything has changed. See, this is what—that's what I don't buy. I think, I mean, ultimately, it helps for the plot that this—this this is uh, that paradoxes don't happen. But I think ultimately, if you did go back in time and have two versions of yourself, the second you emerge out of that box, you've already created an alternate timeline because. But then that's what there wasn't two of you happening they, they at once, is there? But they treat it like, some films treat that like you can't meet your past self or else the universe will implode. Yeah. And that's such an egotistical way of looking at it. Like, well, why not? Like, I, I might drink the same molecule of water because it's passed through loads of systems. Like, just seeing yourself is not a good enough reason to create yeah. a, a genuine world-changing One plot hole that I did think about with this film is where, when so because they're having to put a certain amount of volume on the trades and the stocks on the stock market that they're doing that when an investor invests a high amount into a single trade that's then that would affect how other investors invest because of the way the nature of like the systems that stock markets are but so i'm guessing true i can so, only assume that they've only got a couple of grand between them at mm, most really well, well yeah so you what know, i was thinking perhaps is they were dropping it into large yield trades like where there's a huge 
I think that's what they said. They said mid cap, mid cap mutual funds, right? So they were looking at doing it for basically (laughs) um, large pension funds who deposit like ten million, one billion pounds in something, and yeah, and they're they're just putting an extra kind of ten grand or whatever it is. It's not going to. I'm so glad we got guests on because that is not a catch (laughs) I would have made. (laughs) That was fantastic, Maxter. Yeah, so it's things people wouldn't notice, but high yield for them. Yeah, I think. For the sake of our listeners' patience, we, let's uh, unless anyone's got any time paradoxes well, to clear up. I just no paradoxes to clear up, but this is a good reason to have guests on, and this film deals with it so specifically. So, under the rules of Primer, so you can only go back really at most maybe a week. What would you two both do in a situation like this? <laughs> well, the lottery is not until Saturday, so I would wait until Saturday yeah. and do the fucking lottery. <laughs> and so, it's also another question I'd like to ask is: so, if you were like Aaron, so for Sam and Baxter, would you tell your significant other that you had invented time limited time travel? Because I'd make sure I've got the wrinkles out first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't mean of my face. I mean of the of the machine. When the ears, my ears are no longer bleeding. I'll consider it. <laughs> because yeah, it's one of those once, things. Once it's like, would you be Would you be super selfish and be like, I'm just going to do this to make my life better and my family's better? Because it's one of those things. Once the genie's out of the box, the the applications to this are, are almost limitless. And it's you know mm. it's a first or second generation iteration of this thing. You don't know the potential of this technology. It could be you know like there's a scene where they yeah. think of all these different uses for it. I, and I, I think I, I have like such a, a jaded opinion of humankind. I think if I was to have come up with something like this, I definitely would not share it with the wider world for a significant. Can you imagine Donald Trump having this machine? Exactly. You know like, the you the first thing I'd do would reason. be to patent it. Yeah, <laughs> the anti test. So no one else can do it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Sell the Unless they go back like and stop me from you, you, would, you would be killed by big oil or something like you're immediately dead. Yeah, it doesn't mean like oil companies would kill you and hire hitman. It means just a giant droplet of oil would just land on you and just eviscerate you. Yeah, you're being. They've, they've really got the pain on that. Yeah. <laughs> instant oil kill yeah I mean it's a funny it's a, it's a good question because a lot of people have that fantasy I think by which I mean I have that fantasy and I assume people I'm not that mad whereby whenever they make a big decision in life they wish that they had two lives one where they did that and one where they didn't you know so I loved my life but I'd also quite like to just be a drunk with no responsibilities <laughs> <laughs> who like tours the Caribbean, the uh, Caribbean the whole time? You know, <laughs> so that'd be nice. That's it, guys. Inspire for greatness. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> hard. I mean, that's only one of me. That's two percent of me. You know, there's fifty of me out there. Some of them contributing. Some of them getting absolutely. Some of them dead. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> some of those that died of liver failure at forty. <laughs> <laughs> But it is it because it, this question, uh, this question, this film's so well done that this question genuinely does seem relevant. It, like I didn't watch Avengers Endgame and go, oh, if the uh, the government get hold of this technology, oh, that's going to create some problems. <laughs> no, I went, oh, big loud exploding giant man. Oh. It was really good. It was for explodey films. It was a good explodey film. That was really, but you know, it's not at the it's not at the degree level that this is. I mean, I'd be I mean, terrified, this... hands down. I think if, I think the moment I think you can kind of see it in the film when they do finally create realize what they've created 
you you think there it's you know oh we can publish you think it's excitement but i think i think that inside they know that from this moment forwards it's it's everything's changing and i think there's this like the sinister aspect where it's like well i don't think it's going to change for the for the best like something is bound to go mm. wrong whether it's because you don't yeah. know the ramifications of doing something like this i mean that's scary in itself all the health ramifications so i think mm. <laughs> i think i'd i'd play it i wouldn't go big like i wouldn't go and try and become the president of the you know prime minister or like try and get like <laughs> billions and billions of pounds but i'd if i was really able to do it i'd, I'd want to comfortably provide for the people around me and then at some point mm. when i knew what was going on and how things were affecting other things then maybe but this I'd is it you've got you've got something then that... you start on heroin Baxter <laughs> is just so wholesomely good and then his next thought honestly was heroin <laughs> I promise you but this is it <laughs> that no... was his next thought <laughs> you see this you see like this with Abe in the film is he's got he loses his moral compass doesn't he because he effectively can do whatever he wants within mm. there is some he's limits. a golden god Essentially, Sorry. he's basically yeah. He's almost he if he can as long as he can get back to the failsafe, he can do whatever he wants. You know, he it's, could. Do you think the film should have been called Back to the Failsafe? I mean, <laughs> part four. So yeah, there's another question. What what does the title of this film mean? Because it doesn't. really... I did read into this a little bit. Go on. Uh, Baxter sent me a link actually uh, to a post. Oh God, um, Abe. Is the the first Abe is the prime Abe, prime yeah. one, and the phone call? No, not Abe. Aaron, we assume Aaron. God damn it, Aaron Shinkerworth, the first Aaron, the blackhead guy. He's the prime Aaron, and Aaron two or three, whoever's making the phone call, he's priming him. Yeah, with that phone call. But yeah, it's not the it's not the film title I would have landed on, but I love it. It's a great tile, and also it's a great poster. I think yeah, that's a great poster. That that reminds me now. Actually, I've I've had a I've had a thought that it was the poster that drew me to it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually Never remember looking, thinking that For looks our cool. Listeners, would you like to no describe the poster, about. Ben? Well, it's just a, it's like a box with all wires coming out of it, but <laughs> it's not a. It, 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 but importantly, the wires spell out primer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep that's very salient. It looks creepy, and it it looks like um, yeah, it's looks it looks like it's a dark film where something bad's going to happen. Looks more like a horror ben film. Is poster, immediately on board. It? Yeah, it suggest. looks like a horror film. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. it's really yeah. disappointing. Yeah. I was trying to um, look up the image for myself, but all I'm getting is. Uh, makeup and medication. <laughs> that is targeted marketing. That man. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, it does look like a horror movie. Type in yeah. Primer 20, 2004. And that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good poster. Um, let's uh, stick with the conventions of the show then. So, favourite scenes. I'm going to go clockwise around my Zoom screen. Arbitrary. Back, so what was your favourite scene from this here film? Um, oh, God. Um... Okay, uh, I think, oh, can I choose three? <laughs> but I'll just do them very quickly. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to come to you last. I'll come okay. to you last because I'm going to get, I'll get Ben and Hugh's views and then the third one will be yours. So Ben, what's your favourite scene? Okay, this is, this is a bit weird, but I love the scene where he's, he's, descri- he's, he's showing Aaron, Abe is showing Aaron 
Like he's not explaining it; he's just going, "Come with me and sit, just let me <laughs> show you these things." And I love uh, what I loved yeah. is how he discovered that it, the time that time was different in it was a buildup yeah. of protein, that it, it, yeah. a massive amount of quantity of protein. I thought that was such a <laughs> such a lovely way of like thinking. Hold on, uh, like how has this protein been built up like when it should have taken so many years to it's build so up? It's so on brand, isn't it? Because because yeah. another uh, Christopher Nolan again, not to shit on Christopher Nolan, but like a more mainstream, understandable movie would have he would have dropped a watch in it first. Yeah, yeah, and it came back a day early. So what? Well, so, yeah, that's, that's on my list as well. One of my three. Because yeah. <laughs> I really like I, like, I like it when he says to him, "You're going to feel like you're being pranked." That's this number is two. A joke, but I yeah. want to show you. And it was so sincere. <laughs> I really liked his sincerity in that. Uh, Hugh, try not to get uh, Baxter's third. What's your favourite scene? So my favourite scene in the film is basically where Aaron is talking about uh, punching Platts in the face. Where, <laughs> yeah, it's just a. It, it, you finally get a bit of char- like quite frankly you get a bit of characterization with one of the main characters mm. um, and the innocuous rats in the attic thing is beautiful yeah. yeah like when I first watched that you're like what eh why did the-? and that's why I th- <laughs> and because it was an indie film you're like oh it's just natural dialogue because this film one of its strengths is it's almost natural dialogue like I almost mm. forget that mm. Somebody he wrote these lines down for the actors to say. Like you just assume that Abe <laughs> understands good. quantum <laughs> physics and semiconductors and you know gravity and you know, all this sorry engineering. To put in, but a lot of um, a lot of screenwriting apps and uh, programs have, have more recently started to allow screenwriters to write two blocks of text at the same time on the same screen, so two columns. Um, and the first time I saw that really was social network but for a film like this when one character's talking the other one is talking that's really hard to get across on the page mm. um, but that's the sort of thing that you that he almost certainly would have written you know he's saying this and he's saying that in a very realistic way in the same way that I just butted in and talked over you yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really prevalent right at the beginning of the film with the when they first the try to discuss what the box does right and I think I think you mentioned oh, yeah. the, the the parabolic um the a in and the b in and the trajectory and how many it is and then between each of the things um aaron is trying to do some maths to like count exactly how many different returns Mm. around the 1300 mark it's going to be and like the exchange between them like abe is abe is just constantly talking and then just suddenly jumps in with with um with the answer at the same time or like it's, it's it's this amazing like build up of just constant bickering between these two people. And and it kind of just makes you think, okay, I mean, this is probably what scientists would be like if they were just yeah. locked in a, <laughs> in a garage together trying it, to figure it, it out. It feels like you're, you're <laughs> eavesdropping on a conversation mm. that someone is actually yeah. having. Yeah, I must admit that yeah. seems a bit impenetrable as well because I until at first I thought, oh, they're... Um, the device just travels back and forward all the time and that you're like oscillating between the A and the B path. So I was like, oh, maybe this is a... The time travel in this is different somehow. Obviously, because I didn't know the rest of the film at that point. So I was kind of trying to figure out what direction the plot was going in. So I don't don't think they explained it too well, if I'm being brutally honest. It is on the second, second or third time, I think they basically show the diagram between A and B as this yeah. circular movement and they basically said well why don't we just drop in at the b point and then come out of the a mm. point 
Yeah, but that. Yeah. But then, how would they, they don't tell you how they do that? Is that they cut the power at a certain specific point? Like, what is the math well, no, that he's say, trying to figure out? They say like, if you've got someone who knows a sentient being in there who can time it, because basically that's what they say. They say, why does it chuck it out after thirteen hundred goes? And it's just like I don't know. It just seems a bit random. Hmm. But that's when they because that that thing inside isn't doesn't know to get out, so it doesn't get out. But eventually they open it after a minute. Yeah. So it has to have gone round a certain amount of times. Right, I'm with you now. That so makes sense. out. And if you come out, is it at an even point? You come out at so, the time yeah, you went if it, in. If, if it's an odd, right. you come back at the A point, I think it was. Right, yeah. I think. An odd I number of times be, is back, back in, and an even number of times is... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so for that whole six hours, they oscillating between the past and the present maybe you're right back so they are in like a super position until they are observed <laughs> exiting the no uh, no I think it's it's still looping but that's why there was such a big build up of the protein on the thing was because it had looped 1300 times before it had come back out but because they know yeah. when to get out yeah then they can they only have to do one loop and get out the, the time the machine has been on so which explains what is potentially a plot hole of it being in there it's a build-up of potentially years, and people are saying that can't happen because he's only in there for you know a day or hours or whatever. Right. It's enough loops to account for the fact that it's like five years of build-up or something like that. Mm. Um, favorite lines then? Oh, sorry, Baxter. Are there any scenes left? Um, yeah, the, the last one was. Um, even though I didn't understand it, it was kind of almost scary. The bit where um, they drive off from Abe's place or Aaron's sorry Aaron's place. And Thomas Grange oh, is yeah. there, and that bit where you kind of go, "What? What the hell is happening?" Because they're they're stopped, and and there's this dialogue. It's like, "Who is? Like, why is he there? Why are we being followed?" And then there's this it's crazy. It's actually bit quite um, a thriller, isn't it? Say it again. It becomes a bit of a thriller in that. Yeah, moment, in that one it? moment, like hairs on the back mm. of your neck standing up, because then it, it does this weird thing where it pans to um, pans to Abe. About ten seconds later, running to the yeah, thing. running. And I was, it yeah. just, it just, it was, it kind of panics you. You're like, well, what's going on? Is this, is this part of the time travel? Like, <laughs> and obviously, you, you know, it's just like a, a feeling that gets created. I think really well done by yeah. by Shane. Yeah. Um, yeah, the editing in this well, is really, really deliberate. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you I said, mean, while he was editing it, it's he, that confusion, isn't it? You don't know, like you said, is this. Is this something in the past, or is this contemporary, or is this later on? You know, you're not sure what's going on, and you only kind of figure out that it's maybe a few seconds after when the camera follows him into like that garden, yeah. and then it's essentially you just oh well, maybe it's the back of that garden or something like that, or it's another house. <laughs> a few, you know, it's a real weird cut point. I thought when I was watching it, but then you're like, ah, oh, well, no, it's not a weird cut point. It's a, it's a deliberate thing to continue the plot. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mention um, Shane Carruth's editing there because during the post-production and editing, he gave up on this film three or four times. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, and uh, was it because he had gone boss eyed? Was, really... <laughs> <laughs> was like I don't understand no, my I've film. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting paid danger pay or whatever. Has what's the what's That's the pay, pay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Let's wasn't that wasn't um, um, that wasn't like special effects when the blood was coming out of the ear. That was him after he'd edited the. <laughs> film he was like oh look able what's happened to me i just During rewrote reshoots. the script and, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's just what he looks like now that's why he doesn't appear in many films um, favorite lines then now i think the, the the one i've chosen as favorite line is going to be 
most of yours favourite lines, which means two of you at least. Um, Aaron says, Are That's you how hungry? maths works, Sam, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you weren't sure. Yeah. Got Hang on, Baxter, can, can, we, can, can we confirm that? It is more than half. <laughs> Sweet. That's why we get him on. Uh, Aaron says, Are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. That is presumably somebody else's. I don't know so why you're looking so like, keenly to be like. Is it really? Is it really one of your so, favourites? <laughs> so, listeners, this <laughs> is a this is a audio podcast, obviously. Um, but can we all just put our hands up if we had that as our favourite line? Oh, so only fifty percent of the room. <laughs> the reason why me and Sam I didn't have that down favorite favorite as my favourite line is because Sam already told me last night when he was half asleep. This is my favourite line. <laughs> I was just having a big think, okay? <laughs> you know, on the, on that subject, so Baxter told me uh, when we watched this last night that when he watched it the previous night or whenever he watched it, he dreamt about time travel. His dreams in time travel. I had this exact same thing. So I went to bed at, let's say, 4am and my daughter was upset. So I slept in my daughter's room and it genuinely felt like she was some sort of time-shifting maniac prankster because probably twice in the night she woke up saying oh where's this uh, cuddly so like a teddy bear or something like that but different ones and I genuinely thought in some sort of soporific hypnagogic dream land that she was like morphing to other sides of the room and that somehow that teddy bear that I saw over there was now over there and it really felt like I was being messed with by Satan himself Sam. in a really time I think I, think I have the answer it was to only your, alcohol to your dream are you sure it was only alcohol I think you need to stay off the strong cheese mescaline's alcohol isn't it <laughs> what's peyote is that like a scotch <laughs> it really messed with me it really did and then at 9am she had my phone. I didn't even know I had my phone in the room. She was just had my phone. Sorry, <laughs> does, any, like does anyone else qualified for, for this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like any... we're your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're in the wrong Zoom I call. want to know how to go about getting an exorcism because <laughs> sometimes she just sits up in bed going, ha 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 Keep her away it's from terrifying. the crucifixes. <laughs> so she's favorite line is how you're hungry I haven't seen since blah 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 um, your mother sucks cocks in hell Ben what's your favorite line <laughs> okay so my favorite line is um, there's a point in the film where they're discussing they're at Aaron's work and they say uh, do you know what they do do you know what happens to engineers after 40 and then they go away somewhere and then they talk to another guy and he's like hey do you know do you, do you know what they do to an engineers after 40 they go out and shoot them I was like, yeah, I'm an engineer. As a 31 year old engineer. <laughs> so, I'll get as an that engineer, point why, already. Is, why is that funny? Because I was kind of going, is it because you're not smart after 40 or something? What? Sorry, yeah, this, no, you're, not, because you're not a professional athlete. Just, well, <laughs> it would be difficult to explain if you like, but if you haven't really. If you, Do it down for us. You, 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 you'll be jaded enough <laughs> to know that most of the stuff you haven't done. Oh, right. <laughs> you you don't it. give a fuck <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so it's like you and shoot you. Baxi, favourite line? Well, in true Baxter fashion, it's a, it's a favourite dialogue, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to read, oh. read you it. It's, there's, there's, it'll take... 25 seconds tops. <clears throat> Doing so, some dramatic <laughs> piano music over the back of this. <laughs> it's, it's the specific scene where um, 
uh, they're on the rooftop, I think, and there's blood. And Abe says, uh, whoa, you're bleeding. And Aaron says, I got it. And he's holding the handkerchief to the, to the thing. And Aaron's like, is this normal? This is normal. And Abe says, for the machine. And Aaron's like, no, for people. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he's like, what, you think it's the machine? <laughs> I think it's just brilliant. The first concern is the machine, not the, <laughs> not the person. That is good. <laughs> his moneymaker, essentially. He's like, what, what, yeah. what? <laughs> well, I think this is a good time, as good time as as good a time as any. Um, to finish our sentences. We've been, we've been recording for considerably longer than this episode will appear to you, listener, so there's been a, quite a few drinks imbibed. Uh, as good a time as any to go for a little break, after which we're going to get some ratings, some critics, some social media stuff, and a very difficult to create quiz. So we'll see how that works. See you after the break. <laughs> Welcome back. It's time for some critics. We'll start with critics, and then we'll get to the three critics in the room. Um, there's only one critic for us, Hugh. Who's that critic? If it's pre, if it's pre 2013, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. What score out of four? How many stars do you think old Rog gave this film? See, this could be tricky because either because he's a very smart man and he got it straight away and was like, "Yep, yeah, four stars, bosh, out the park," or he was like, "I haven't a clue what I watched there." Something happened, but I don't get it. Maybe, <laughs> but I think he'll enjoy the dialogue and maybe say, "I don't know." Yeah, yeah. Let's go four stars. Let's aim high. This is the thing. Like this film won at Sundance. How do you watch this at a festival with eighty <sighs> other films and and think good of it? Like and not want to never see it again. Um, yeah, he gave it three point five. Three point five out of four. And he said, and you know, we love Roger because he's always, almost always right, and he has great prose. So I'm going to read out a couple of big quotes from old Rog. Um, Challenging us to listen closely, to half understand what they half understand, is one of the ways the film sucks us in, which I think is a really concise way of putting the appeal of this film. The movie delights me with its cocky confidence that the audience can keep up. Primer is a film for nerds, geeks, brainiacs, academic decathlon winners programmers, philosophers, and the kinds of people who have made it this far into the review. This is quite late in his review. <laughs> it will surely be hated by those who go to, the cine- go to the movies to be entertained and embraced and debated by others who will find it entertains the parts the others do not reach. It is maddening, fascinating, and completely successful. I think I would have been disappointed personally if I'd seen this in the cinema because I just it, goes at, it does go at such a pace that I just don't think I would have been able to keep up personally. Yeah, and knowing that you can't get it on VHS for, or DVD for another year or something like that. But yeah. imagine Roger Ebert calling your film completely successful. I mean, I wouldn't. Sixteen years on, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be down from the ceiling with that sort of, <laughs> that sort of phrase. And I've, I read that and I thought I don't need any more critics. You know, we've got three in the room plus me. Uh, what was, was his fine. negativity about it then? If he only gave it three and a half. What was his kind of withdrawal? To be honest, there wasn't really... From the review, I couldn't find like a sentence that was definitely this is what was wrong with it. Some of the negative reviews said it's it's too smart for its own good and it's a bit irritating. And I I, um, dismissed them. (laughs) <laughs> as people who watched them, as people who watched it in the cinema on a eight a.m. on a Thursday morning when they had to watch four of the films that day because they've got they're a critic, you know. Uh, I don't think it's 
I think it's for very smart critics. It's not for a jobbing critic who's got a lot of films to watch, you know. And and that's what Roger Ebert is always is always very wise with these things. So I really want to get your three ratings on this. Um, as always, we have a rating system. Just before How that, do you have any, casual... did you sorry? Just before oh. we do the rating, did you say we had some social media stuff? Do you want to do that first? Yeah, well, it makes sense to do the critics and the social media together. I think we'll save the best till last. Um, yeah, so like I said, on social media, I, I put is it is it important to understand in order is it important to understand a film in order to enjoy it? And about eighty percent of the answers were people just writing no, uh, which was reassuring. Uh, I picked out two answers. Ethan Stroud said I didn't fully understand in, Inland Empire and still don't get parts, but it's still one of my favourite films. Loving it's something you don't film. fully understand. <laughs> I knew Ben I would love have seen that it. Film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, loving something you don't fully understand (laughs) is great because then you can rewatch it countless times see David Lynch I I get from the film Primer that I should get into David Lynch I've seen Mulholland Drive once I think at Ben's probably yeah Uh, yeah. Yeah, Inland Empire is three hours long (laughs) fucking hell can you imagine I'm not I'm not going to watch it like whenever somebody posts on Facebook, what's, what's as good as The Wire? People say Twin Peaks. And I watched a bit of Twin Peaks and I just didn't get into it. I mean, is Twin Peaks right good, Ben? I like Twin Peaks, but it it's... I don't know. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think you'd like Twin Peaks. Yeah, I don't think you should watch it. It, it, it takes a while to get into. Yeah. But it, it's, See, it's weird. It's, 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 it's too uh, kitsch, but in a way that's <laughs> like... A satire. Well, I, I'm not going to go into Twin Peaks, but yeah, I don't think <laughs> I, I, I really like the first season. I've not watched the uh, the next one, but yeah, it's right because people are saying it's really good. But yeah, it like Primer is so complicated but satisfying because it can be worked out. Mm. There was that film Brick. It's a Rian. Jo- In fact, Rian Johnson, I think, made <laughs> Brick. I can't even remember why. Sorry, isn't I his name just Ryan? Brick. It's just spelt differently. Sorry, I think it's pronounced Rian. I'm sure it's just pronounced Ryan. I think it's Ryan. I think yeah. it's Ryan. I'll go, let's go Ryan then. I think I've only ever seen it written down. He's a Star Wars guy, so you, and you're a Star Wars guy, so I'll, I'll we, just... He, yeah. did, he did Looper Johnson. as well, didn't he? And he's consulted... When that... he sent the script for Looper yeah. to Shane Carruth, Shane Carruth said it's good, but all your time travels wrong. <laughs> um, but he but he loves the film Primer, so... Um, yeah, Brick, I gave up on. I just... I couldn't... We watched it together. I put it on for you. <laughs> I don't think I finished it. I don't think I watched it. Yeah, you turned to me why. and said, I have no idea what's going on in this yeah. <laughs> And you were like, sorry, let's and I, had no, <laughs> I had no impulse to try to figure out. We had, it was like 40 minutes in. I was like, I don't give a shit. And I don't know, I still don't know why it's so confusing. Is it that, like, the characters. Anyway, let's talk about Brick another time. I'm just, I'll, I'll come around to it. Um, Shane Cooley on Facebook said, I wish not understanding a film, especially on first viewing, didn't make people so anxious. We'd have way we'd have way more films with daring narrative structures. I think Primer is actually doing what Nolan fanboys think he's doing. Mm. Thinks he's doing. I agree with that one, and I think that's true. Yeah. So, like, like you said, when when Inception came out and everyone said, "Oh, it's the most complicated film ever," people who'd seen Primer said, "It's not even in the top hundred <laughs> You know, it was, it was the beauty of it. And let's the people who saw Inland Empire went, "Wait." <laughs> <laughs> Not interested. Not, never going to watch it. Never going to watch it. All right, so I'm going to start with... We'll leave Hugh for last because that's, you know, build a bit of tension. Reel him in. I'm going to start with Ben because he saw it first out of all of us. Ben, how many casual subcortical hemorrhages out of ten would you give this film? Wow, sounds like a bad thing. Um... (laughs) (laughs) 
I would get it. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm going to have to give it ten based on what I uh, I explained. Uh, I think a few times on the podcast, my rating system. If a film, if I see a film as there's nothing I'd change about it, and I completely right. enjoy it, and every time I watch it, I get the same enjoyment. Then yeah, it's a ten out of ten for me. I think that's a, a well justified opinion. Baxter, how many casual subcortical hemorrhages would you give this film? Nine point nine recurring. <laughs> Can't be a rational number, eh? No, it's such an irrational film that <laughs> that plays on your rational fears. By the way, nine point nine recurring is is ten. By the way, it's um, so I I just, to all intents yeah, and purposes, I, I loved it. I think I thought, you know, why are they invite me to this podcast? I have to watch it at least two times. <laughs> But I was so glad. You were so nervous about appearing in this podcast, like not being prepared. I just, enough, but, I just, when know. it comes to a film like Primer, there's just, there's just so much. You could talk about it for another ten hours just to try and uncover. <laughs> Should we do it? Yeah, <laughs> six a.m. in the morning again. <laughs> um, I just, I, I think it was. It's one of those ones that you can rewatch. It has to be on your desert island DVD list, you know, because you could be watching it over and over again praying that there's time travel existing and, and still not fully understand every aspect How annoyed of would you be, just uh, on your point there, Baxter, how annoyed would you be if you ended up on a da- desert island with both a hi-fi and a DVD player and a TV? You'd be like, <laughs> fuck, I'm so entertained for several hours. And this Bible and the complete works of Shakespeare. <laughs> Damn, I need something to eat. The irony. <laughs> <laughs> what's Led Zeppelin doing here but only one track I don't understand <laughs> am I in loss so you, the time is now well I'll tell you what it what makes JJ Abrams look like an absolute amateur doesn't it <laughs> let's have a mystery box no primer has a mystery box <laughs> it's to do but it time knows what's in com- there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it gives you a satisfactory at least the filmmaker should know what's in it don't yeah. get me started on J.J. Abrams. <laughs> no, There's no fine. lens flare in this film, so... <laughs> um, All right, so give, so us, give us it. I'm going to do this rating in two... Spl- I'm going to split it in two. I'm going to give it oh, ten for anticipation. I'm going to give it ten for anticipation because I've been really looking forward to watching it. Listen, why don't you just guest on Little White Lies and have done with it? Well, I like their system. <laughs> I think it's actually quite good, actually. I think it's... Um, it's a great system. But no, podcast. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'd give it a 10 for anticipation. And I think I've got to give it maybe an 8. Because the first time, if if you'd asked me this, if I'd only watched it once, I think it would have got maybe a 6 or a 7. Because it's a bit incomprehensible the first time you watch it. But this is more to do with the culture of cinema. Is because there are some films you just have to watch more than once. Mm -hmm. Some films aren't, they don't benefit from being watched one and done. This is one of those films. We're sat here having two guests on our podcast that generally only has one guest on it at a time whenever we do have more than just me and you talking, Sam. <laughs> and we're still, like like um, Baxter said, we could talk about it for hours because we most of what we've done tonight is talk about the plot and the paradoxes and the problems and all the causality. But we could talk for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours about the ethics of what you would do with something like this. Right. And the sort of ethical yeah. challenges come across with having that kind of power. I touched on it a little bit earlier, but at the same time, 
you know, you could we could do a we could do a special episode and just call it the ethics of time travel based on Primer, <laughs> and we'd have to. This probably, is quite interesting. We'd have to structure it we, to not be three hours long. <laughs> we we talked on the podcast we appeared on the Honest Events. They asked us what's the best episode. You know, for where should they, where should the listeners start? And we both agreed that Arrival is our best episode because it wasn't just is this film good or bad. We talked about what that film was about in terms of causality and free will and so on and that's what makes this film so good is that like you, as you say we've got we've got hours of material we could we could go through um i do have one observation we though, before we move on to the oh, quiz do it do it who eats their muffins like that yeah that was a weird bit well don't ruin the quiz questions fuck yeah. off you <laughs> that is the latest you've ruined the quiz question <laughs> Like, why don't we do that before you do the quiz? <laughs> <laughs> you cunt. I'm sorry. Um, I feel like that's also the only question I'd get right. The one that's just clear in frame. <laughs> so, Hugh, the big question is would you recommend this film? Yes. Of course, I would recommend this film because what? it's. I'm going to treat you all drink. Or... Yes. I'm sorry. Give just a minute, a minute silence. <laughs> Please don't do a minute silence on a podcast. <laughs> this this Zoom call is not going to last that long. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd recommend it for the fact grade. that it's. I love good sci-fi time films. This is and this yeah. is it done, like Sam jokes earlier said to the nth degree because you can see how well it's been thought out, and like you said, it it's 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 beauty is that it plays with you and it goes. Hang on a second, this isn't an honest portrayal of what's happened. You know, by the end of it, you're like, oh, so there's three Aaron's. <laughs> I love an unreliable narrator. Yeah. It is a fantastic And that's the, that's the plot Let's twist, isn't it, essentially, is that, well, actually, yeah. what, what do you do when you've got this power and how ethical do you become? Because Aaron basically becomes a prick. <laughs> or that chip is on his shoulder. The, is this now the ethics, the ethics version of the no, podcast? No, <laughs> we're not going to get into it because... <laughs> right. Let's get into the trivial. It's going to be a long episode. Yeah. So as we always do, Hugh, the Hello. prior to this, the, the ignoramus, now the informed, um, is going to get the first shot at the questions. And then if he doesn't know it, I'm going to go to Baxter and then Ben. So, question one. Can you name either or both of Abe and Aaron's colleagues? The two uh, men that they work Philip with. Philip and Robert. <laughs> that's absolutely right ding 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 Robin Phillip yep. yep question two well done Hugh thank you um, what do Abe and Aaron get their oh sorry uh, where do Abe and Aaron get their palladium plating they're talking about it's either platinum or palladium they, they go oh, for they, palladium where do they get it do they get they get it out of a catalytic converter out of his car ding 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 two out of two where do they get the copper tubing out of um Abe's fridge. Good. This is going really well. Question four. How many watts were they (laughs) how many watts were they supposedly getting from the two batteries sorry, supposedly. How many watts were they supposedly getting from the two batteries that Aaron owned? Can I just interrupt there? I think you mean volts. Voltage wasn't the You're right. I do have an A star GCSE in electronics, but I wrote this in a very hurried fashion. You are right, it's volts. How many volts 
Um, I might get this question wrong to see if give somebody else an opportunity. Is it three bajillion? <laughs> oh no, I've got it wrong. Uh, the first one of you two to say your name gets to answer this question. <laughs> Look how competitive back there is. Physics. <laughs> Physics. <laughs> how many 24 there? volts, 12 volts of each battery. Supposedly. Super duper, well done. I think so we learned a lot about Baxter there, awful. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> what does Abe call people who blame their parents for their failings? Does he call them weak? It's in that ballpark. Oh. But it's a different sport. I'm going to go to Baxter. Uh, Wuss? No. Benji? I don't know. No idea. Um, can I just have another stab? a bunch of oh. something it's, a, it's a bunch of something bunch of wet towels? no I'm not sure <laughs> I I had it. Um, a bunch of pricks <laughs> bunch of whiners a oh, bunch of, of whiners yeah. and question six because uh, what meal does Abe prepare for himself in the hotel room well a, a chocolate chip muffin. And? Milk. With a nut and he has Fuck a knife you. and fork. I really thought you didn't know that. You just you just had it in reserve. Nailed it. Yeah, I don't have any more questions. Um, can any of you impromptuly think of some of the questions? What was the mass of the first item that they placed knew that was gonna into the machine? I mean, do you want it in was it grams six? or in or, kilonewtons? Or decagrams, either one is fine. Oh, it was deca- six. <laughs> was it 7.7? Which units? Originally. Decagrams. Well done, sir. Because that's what it shows, isn't it? Because that's what it shows, isn't it, on the... Yeah, it was 77 grams. It was like, let's change it to decagrams. Oh, is it? Yes, you <laughs> unit converter, you. <laughs> A star forever. Nerds! <laughs> yeah. It's just... Oh. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a Zoom call that we're having here, so fortunately you can't see this, but Baxter, put your laptop down. <laughs> <laughs> Typing away. Uh, good. Well, if any of you have any more questions, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> what was the Baxter, exact runtime? Down. <laughs> what was the exact runtime? Oh, go on. What was the... Oh, it's 78 minutes. What was the exact runtime? No, uh, no, sorry, 88 minutes. Because it's one hour or eighty-seven minutes. Seventy-seven hour, minutes. Eighty-seven minutes because it's one hour seventeen. That's seventy-seven. 77 yeah. Is it seventy-seven? Yeah, it is. So, was, so seventy-seven. <laughs> yeah, <it looks. laughs> is a master on point. Okay, Baxter. <laughs> Simple is, is there like a relevance of the seventy-seven grams? I'm trying to find connections to the oh, entire. Are you, are you going down the rabbit hole? There? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why he gave up on the film three or four time machine of course he's like I need it to be 77 minutes with credits yeah. with the credits that thank the people for giving us their um, oxygen tanks uh, needs to be done easy well, credits to uh, read though aren't they <laughs> yeah really good I mean a lot less than a Marvel film do you know what but I used to I do, do when I was a kid Marvel right films. you know like the speed at which credits go up the screen I used to think yeah. that adults could read at that speed and read all the credits <laughs> So I used to try read the credits <laughs> as a kid. I just assumed that's how fast you, you had to read. And then you, so, your 25th birthday rolled around and you said, actually, I'm not, I'm not convinced anymore. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. 20, 24th. 
Sorry, yeah, Age of Ultron, that was it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I used to sit there going, well, adults can read really fast. <laughs> so can you know those ones that used to scroll on the bottom and then they had like the, um, you couldn't, they would like go because of the way the tech was at the time with the video 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 printers. It wouldn't really. It wasn't that readable. Some of the credits. I used to be trying to. You see, just me going What's like this, point? trying to read it. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Five year old, credits six year old for far too long. Absolutely. But There's I tell you what, it does. It there. does mean is I can read credits quite well. <laughs> I get to. I'm quite good, so I'm able to spot weird things. <laughs> so like things like you know. The, the the caterers were both called Caruth, you know, that's that's a big part of this. Yeah, one. and also that the guy who plays the lab technician is uh, f- the actor Phillips, either his brother or somebody related to him because they both have the same surname. Very similar surnames. Upad yeah. Yaya, yeah, Hiyaya, yeah, yeah, very similar surnames. And Ashok as Good. Well, well, which is a famous uh, name in Indian history. Ashok. Well, so Ashok. You, you, that, that's what you'd say. Uh, it, all that remains to be done is to decide what we're going to watch next week. Hugh, what are we going to watch next week? So we're going to stay with the sci-fi theme, but we're going to rein it in a little bit because this has Soften been a long, it. been a long episode, and our brains are you know basically puddles on the floor by now. Um, we're going <laughs> to we're going to watch. So Sam's never seen the classic Disney Pixar film Wall-E, so we're going to watch Wall-E. Mm. Sam, yes, Baxter, Ben, what do you all guys have? You both seen it? I have, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Ben? Yeah, I've seen it. I I love it, yeah. Oh, let's all laugh at the freak, shall we? (laughs) 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 I'm going to make this, I'm going to double this over in post so it's longer. (laughs) So, Wally, I've seen the first bit of. Yeah, what do you know about it? I've seen the first bit of. I've seen a lot of things. Did you get thrown out of the cinema? What's what's the story there? (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. Okay, let's leave it at that, all right? I'm never welcome back in Walthamstow. That's all I'm going to say about the matter. Um, But that's not because I know some things. (laughs) um, And I know some of the things, and I don't know some of the things. (laughs) Shut up. Uh, But I'm not allowed within schools, which is weird as a teacher. Um, That's why you don't do primary, isn't it? I know, I know some things that it's a bit like. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna let that slide. Um, uh, that it's a bit. That's what the kids are saying. <laughs> Fuck you, now. <laughs> we're getting into the same hot water we were with the honest events here. Mm. Um, so I know it's about this, like you know, Earth is a mess, and he's cleaning up, and uh, humans are all fat, and the only, con- the only sort of. Um, just consume food and media content. What a weird world that would be, uh, says he of 18 stone now. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've got Disney+, Plus, so I will be eating burgers like Homer fucking Simpson and watching this film. Cool. Well, we'll find out next week what Sam thinks of Wally. Sam? Yeah. I think you've got a question to ask me, haven't you? I do. It's burning. Shoot, if they want to get in touch with us and ask us about either Wally or if we could clear up Schrodinger's cat further and the plot of Primer, <laughs> how could they possibly do that? So what they need to do is they need to invent time travel. They need to make it a coffin-sized time travel box. But what they need to do is write out like a letter and put it in the box and then hope that me and you independently discover the, that, the, that box with their letter in and then we can read it out that way. But in the past. So we should have read it on last week's episode for this week. 
Because obviously... Ben, that's how you got on the show, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds exactly like how I got on the show. <laughs> Was it a good experience, would you say? Uh, I'd give it five out of ten. <laughs> now, back five to... And a half. On the other hand, you... <laughs> yeah. Now, Baxter, you emailed into the show. Is that is that right? Eh? What me? You emailed instead. You didn't go through this time. Was was a mahuja? You you emailed into the show. Isn't that right? Do we have? An oh, email sorry. Oh, god. Um, that's the setup. Sorry. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I've Spiking. emailed into the show. I emailed into the show. Of course I did. And hold on. With please watch this dot podcast at gmail dot com. Oh, you're so close. You four letters off. Oh, ooh, try it again. Oh, oh, let me try it. Please watch this dot pod at gmail.com. Lis- listeners, can, can we just, can I just clarify? <laughs> I'm being set up here. Because <laughs> usually that's my line. Usurped is the word. Usurped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm basically Edward the Confessor. No, sorry. Uh, Harold Godwinson right now. And, and Baxter's William the Conqueror. Ben, that yeah. makes you and I think Harold he conquered all. Hadrada, doesn't it? <laughs> Did he get the arrow in the eye? So. I'm, not, I'm not fond of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been, um, I've been was mugged Was he the third thing. or the fourth Ghostbuster? I can't remember. Uh, so, Baxter, if you could give us that email address one more time. That was time, Rick Moranis. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. It's, uh, it's pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Bravo. That's fantastic. No problem. Thank you so much. Alternatively, there's a social media option. Wait, fuck off. Watch what you say here, pal. <laughs> I am untouchable. Uh, I will say you can tweet us at pleasewatchpod. For some reason, we've got a Reddit subreddit, um, never been used, uh, called probably called Please Watch Pod. I can't remember. And Facebook at Please Watch Pod. So that's it. Last thing, Baxter, Ben, we are. Eternally grateful. Well, there's a finite amount of great gratitude involved. Uh, We really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, there's an alternative reality where we're infinitely grateful, but in this one, we're finitely grateful. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, we've been through the failsafe to to warn ourselves against that, because we know what's going to happen in 2045. We are not going to back you. Not the second (laughs) time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, guys, thanks for coming on. Please, I mean, this this has marked the best possible... Wait, Thursday, Thursday night? Wednesday night. What day is it today? Wednesday night. night One of these Wednesday. nights has been marked Half as ten. the best night ever for Hugh. <laughs> Hugh has accepted a film that I like on the same time. I'm there. It's, it's, it's too much to handle. I'm, I'm Don't thrilled. masturbate too hard tonight, Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> just to, I'm just not watching Primer. <laughs> How did they do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll look forward to uh, coming back for the upstream colour episode. Sorry, Ben. I never, I never look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> he reminisces. Well, if you want to know which bit of the podcast is getting cut out to, <laughs> to when I edit this, that's the bit you're getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Ben, thank you for appearing on our show. Yeah, what I actually said was I look forward to uh, uh, coming on for the Upstream Colour episode. Definitely, two weeks from now, I'm sure of it. <laughs> all right, well, all that remains to be said is... two weeks from yesterday? <laughs> Six days from now. Yeah. I need another piss, so I'm going to rush this. Um, we love you guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, listeners. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.